1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average 12-Month Savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. (sighs) Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies.
3: Because it sucks to lose, Gentry. Did you have another thought or no? I'm just curious. Well, it, it sucks. Losing. Awful. That's why I want to win. Sorry about my language.
1: In a nutshell, from Mike Vrabel, losing effing sucks. And it does. We've talked about that. It's one of the reasons why winning is so euphoric for NFL
4: teams, because the flip side is you're miserable you're a Viking you're fan. You understand, you understand that feeling, you know, losing stinks giants fan, you know, me for Bowl trophies, all that. Uh, I know about losing a little, but I know about winning too. So I don't know. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a fine line, but yeah, losing is torture when you play in the NFL. Hello. Good morning, Mike. How are you? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you know about losing from
4: your playing career. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You're the oh, one yeah. that went down this path, not me. <laughs> You're right. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I went below the belt first. You're allowed to go below the belt back at me. <laughs> yeah. No, it is um, it's torture. The so, NFL is torture because
1: now next thing. Next thing you know, you're going to say I'm on Jeffrey Epstein's client list. Uh, whoa,
4: whoa, watch out! Hold on there, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, relax a little bit. <laughs> uh, but but no, uh, it, it, yeah, we have talked about it, right? Whether it was Parcells, and we brought up you know him as an NFL football player. You invest yourself. your coaches the whole week. Uh, it's you know, such a fine line in winning and losing. I think what makes it worse is you go back and you watch a film, too, on Monday where you go, oh, gosh, we could have won. It's like three plays or three things where the game would have been totally different, and that's what eats away at you, you know, as time or the week goes by. Uh, it's those little things that, that cause the loss that absolutely kill you. Comes down to a handful of plays,
1: moments, decisions, good luck, Bad luck, good call, bad call. I was talking to Coach Garrett the other night on the way back to the hotel, and he was telling me specific details about the playoff game in 2007 when he was the Cowboys offensive coordinator. Yeah. Was he the coordinator at yeah, the time? Yeah, he was the coordinator. He was with the right. Cowboys in 2007, yeah. and vivid instant recollection of specific things that he still thinks about. From that game. Instead of all the great things they did that season when they ended up with the number one seed, what torments you, what tortures you, what you carry around for years after the fact is that one little thing here, one little thing there that you regret. And it all came up because we were talking about Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings coach, surely regretting flipping from Nick Mullins. To Jaron Hall, given that Jaron Hall clearly wasn't ready on Sunday night in that blowout loss to the Packers. By the way, by the way, not making light of the Jeffrey Epstein situation. I'm not fully versed on all of it. At its core, it is some evil, awful stuff. Now, this whole fascination with his client list has become a thing, and they're waiting for it to land. And I only mentioned that because Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel got into a pretty high profile back and forth yesterday because Rodgers seemed to imply, suggest, whatever, that Kimmel's name's going to be on it. I'm not sure he directly did it. I'm not sure he meant to do it, but that's the way it came across. Kimmel fired back, and oh, by the way, they're both under the Disney umbrella. Kimmel hosted a late-night show on ABC. Rodgers, a weekly appearance on ESPN's Pat McAfee show for which he gets paid seven figures. If I'm Kimmel, I'm upset that this guy who's working for a sister company is taking these gratuitous shots. And I would suspect there's some stuff playing out behind the scenes where Kimmel's making it clear to the bosses at Disney that this is unacceptable. I would do it. You would do it. And Rodgers would do it, and McAfee would do it if the shoe was on the other foot.
4: Yeah, hey, listen, that, that's uh, that, that's serious stuff right there, right? I mean, that's beyond beyond below the belt, low blow territory. You know, if if you know, or, or what we're okay. saying is the context is true here, which I mean, again, I don't know how you could you know mistake the context here. But those are heavy accusations, and yeah, I mean. By all due accounts, it kind of seems a little petty, too, because what, maybe Jimmy Kimmel made a comment about Aaron Rodgers and some of his conspiracy theories, right? Uh, it sounds like that Rodgers was trying to get him back, but yeah, they better be careful messing with Jimmy Kimmel. I know, I know McAfee makes a lot of money and, and is a power player at ESPN, but he ain't Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel's making huge money, and he's a huge part of ABC, so you're right. That's a fight they're not going to win if they keep messing with that guy.
1: Well, and the question becomes, is McAfee gonna to be told you gotta to sever ties with Aaron Rodgers? And if he's told that, what happens? How how far does this go if it becomes a thing? And how can it not be a thing when Kimmel responded the way he did? That isn't even on the rundown for today, but
4: it's kinda of sporting we just kind news. Of I mean naturally. I was wondering if we were gonna talk about it today. I mean I know it that crosses well, we are. over to mainstream we news. Are. Well I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it's a big-time quarterback who continues to want to make headlines on talk shows more than anything right now, and now he's going to say that. And, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's a low blow. I mean, Jimmy Kimmel, he's got family. I mean, man, Rodgers, like, if this isn't true, this will not be the last time. We talk about it and talk about Rodgers. Like if the list comes out and and Kimmel's not on there, and and of course you know Kimmel continues to deny, and we find out that it was Rogers just being petty, throwing a shot at Jimmy Kimmel. Like you, you're, we're going to talk about it again, and I'm going to take some shots at Aaron Rodgers if if that's what happens here. The response from Kimmel goes like this:
1: Dear A A-A A for Aaron S S H O L E. For the record, I've not met, flown with, visited or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up and we will debate the facts further in court. That was Kimmel's response to whatever it was that Roger said. And this all started because. Rogers was on McAfee last year and they were talking about the government disclosing information about UFOs. I believe this is how it came yeah, up. Right. And Rogers suggested it was just a distraction from the Epstein client list, which was this bizarre out of left field, what the hell is that? They're d- like, "What?" So it's all just very very strange. And and yesterday, and I can't tell whether this was a bit from Rogers or whether he's serious about it, he's buying into this goofy ass The colors of the logo of the Super Bowl reveal who the teams are going to be, and it's all been preordained. And I think he was doing it tongue-in-cheek. And I'll hear people talk about that every once in a while, and I want to say, folks, just, just, just sit down, sit down, have a cup of tea, take the proverbial chill pill. There are things that make sense, and then there are things that are absolutely ridiculous. And even talking about it, sounds ridiculous yeah the idea that the clues to who the Super Bowl teams are are hidden in the colors selected well in advance for the logos is beyond nonsense it's not even worth talking about and they went there yesterday too and again I think I think I think it was tongue-in-cheek but when you consider all the other crazy shit Aaron Rodgers has said frankly all due respect apologies in advance but when you think about all the crazy stuff he's put out there that that seems like a Conspiracy theory, why would you think he's not at least some little bit Colonel Nugget serious about this? Although I don't think he was. I really do think even with the the backdrop of the other crazy stuff he's said, in my opinion, don't sue me. In my opinion, it's crazy. It's conspiracy theory stuff. I still think he wasn't serious about this. But I had to at least stop and think because of some of the other stuff that he's put out into the into the ether.
4: Yeah, I mean we know that, right? I mean we heard the you know, the the ex Browns Notre Dame quarterback uh, that I'm blanking on the 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 name, right? Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah right He talked side about- job 911 exactly right
1: Robert- Never got asked that by the New York media. yeah never got asked that by that rough and tough and tumble New York media how convenient. Not, not a single person no not a single per I mean yeah. I don't want to hear how tough the New York media is anymore. not a single person ever said to him, are you a 911 truther? Let's yeah. get this out of the way yeah. right out of the gates. Are you a 911 truther?
4: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, you know, again, I think you know most of the time it's sports people covering you know the the, the football team, and they don't want to go that route. And like you talk about, they're trying to keep in the the good relationships, uh, good relationships with the team and the player and all that. Uh, but hey, yeah, Rodgers has said some crazy stuff. There's no doubt about that. The color of the Super Bowl thing, you know, I didn't hear all of that and what they said there. But yeah, that's taken its own life form on you know social media. So I think you might have heard me even talk about it in the viewing room on on Sunday. It's a hell of a coincidence. I did. Yeah. Now I'm sick of like the whole script thing. Right. I'm so sick of the script thing and whatever, but it is a hell of a coincidence that, you know, it was orange and yellow and it became the Rams and the Bengals and then it was green and red last year. And, of course, it was the Eagles and the Chiefs. And it then, really
1: wasn't green, though. Know, it, was it was more like a, teal than I
4: green. I hear you. I hear you. It was Jaguars. I know. I know. They're taking some liberties there and doing that, no doubt. But this year, yeah, purple and red. And here we got the Ravens. Yes, and the Vikings and Chiefs. <laughs> Vikings and Chiefs, baby. I'm
1: still holding out hope for a rematch of Super Bowl Four. Vikings and Chiefs. You yeah, yeah, know, good the Vikings, luck. according to Steve Kornacki, when they lost on Sunday night, have a 3% chance. Of th- oh, God, there it is. There it is. Uh, and it's a thing. That is not green. That is not green. That is teal. That's not green. And and there aren't like so many colors. Like if there were 32 distinct colors and it was coming up like this every year, that's one thing. It's just a coincidence. It's a coincidence. Just yes, like the coincidence is. that there was no team playing in a Super Bowl that was played in its own stadium until it happened in back-to-back years with the Bucks in 2000 20 and the Rams in 2021. It's a coincidence. Nothing more, nothing less coincidence. And th- there's, just, I there's just love how people like fun to think about. Yeah, yeah. And there's some stuff that just, you sound
4: ridiculous right. even mentioning it. Right. Right. No, I, I, I love to think that the, that people think that the NFL, then there seems to be real people that think there really is a script that it's, it's like, it's already in play. I mean, it's kind of hilarious what people want to conspiracy theories, hold on to, this day and age well, so the, the NFL leaned into
1: it in yeah, kind of on a the commercial hey, on great. the joke right right we're leaning into it and most people most people of sound mind should be able to realize it's just a joke that they're leaning into some would say they're leaning into it to cover up all the nefarious scripting and rigging and fixing that they're doing although I don't believe they're doing it again I don't believe they rig or fix it They can't
4: even get the eligible thing right it. I mean you guys people are getting them way to too much it. yeah they're giving them way too not, much credit These people are not that incompetence. smart incompetence <laughs> competence incompetence is
1: always the explanation over some sort of deliberate intentional plan There's too many moving parts there's too many people who would have to be silenced There's it's just too much there's too no it's just incompetence and people who can't deal with their favorite team being on the wrong side of incompetence believe it's rigged. And Hey, my son and I have this conversation all the time because he, 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 he will. He, and he's, <laughs> the, the website is in good hands when I die and he takes over. Because he thinks it's rigged. So hey, <laughs> the NFL, you can drop a house on me, but the Wicked Witch of the West is going to be way worse than the Wicked Witch of the East. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So, so
4: he's in on he's in on the conspiracy theories, the script the uh, the script theory. How how dare he? A young impressionable guy like he's yet that. To, he's yet to go. <laughs> he's yet to go. He's yet to go color a
1: Super Bowl logo. Okay, he's not so to he totally
4: crazy yet. But okay. he
1: does think. He does think. He does think the NFL has the teams it likes and the teams it doesn't like. And he thinks that, you know, a little sand gets, gets dropped on the scales to make it go one way or the other jump balls, as Sean Payton would call them, that the jump balls go to certain teams and they don't go to other teams. My son believes that and NFL, you'll be happy to know I have tried my best and continue to try my best to talk him out of that because I continue to believe it's incompetence, not intent. So anyway, uh, now we get to what we're supposed to be talking about. And I apologize to the control room for and Courtney specifically for going rogue there with the whole Rogers Kimmel thing, but Chris kind of took me there. <laughs> kind of. I don't know. I probably would have gotten there anyway, but I can at least blame you. All right. So let's start with one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think that's what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to delay getting to this because why are we talking about one of the worst teams in the NFL? Well, they're not as bad as their record would suggest, and there is some hope there, and now they're in a position that they can build on what they've done this year. One of the big questions, what are they going to do with Kyler Murray? You have a new GM, you have a new coach. They may not have wanted ever a five foot 11 inch quarterback. There are some coaches, evaluators out there that don't want a short quarterback. Well now we see what Kyler Murray can do. Here's Jonathan Gannon concluding his first year as coach of the Cardinals, talking about whether Kyler Murray will be back next year as the starting quarterback of the team. Is there any doubt in your mind who your quarterback is going to be for next
4: season?
3: (laughs) No, there's not. Being here for a year with him now, um, I'm more convicted than when I got here. You know, just, you know, going through the process and and our, you know, connection and developing a relationship with him. And then, you know, being a little odd, you know, you got your franchise quarterback and you know he can't play. And um, you know, just seeing the work that he put in, and the things that we talked about this off season about, you know, what he wanted to improve on, what I wanted to see him improve on, what it what he does well, that what he thinks, and what I what he does well, what I think. I wanted to make sure that stayed strong, and he's done everything we asked. And I just feel like, you know, what he's done, the work he's put in to get to this point, play that type of football. Um, wins or losses, play the type of football that he has, coming off a knee in a new system, Um, the competitor that he is, you know, I'm just, uh, I've been very pleased with him.
1: There's no doubt that Kyler Murray's a phenomenal player, but everything got thrown into doubt when you have a new regime, when you have a torn ACL, when you have some acrimony between ownership and quarterback with that homework clause they tried to jam into his contract and did until they took it out. So there's reason here to wonder whether or not they're going to change their mind. And Chris, my first reaction to this was he might be telling the truth, but even if he isn't, that's what he has to say. He's not going to say anything other than that now. And this is the same guy who told the Eagles last year and the fans, I'll be back. So, yeah, right. And I, this isn't an indictment of Gannon. I hear there you. are certain situations where you have to say something other than what you believe. Because if he had said, yeah, you know what? We're going to just evaluate that one day at a time. We're going to have some options for next year. And we're going to explore all of our options. That isn't the way you want to start into the offseason where you have a positive vibe coming from just beating the Eagles. You're going to say... I have no doubt you're going to say he will be back. You're going to say I'm not going to be the Alabama coach.
4: Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. Now, to, to you know, give you a little you know counter there, I would go. Those are strong statements too, to where it kind of pins them in the corner here a little bit within their own fan base and their locker room, where they're going to go. Well, that was a pretty big comment. If they come off that, then this guy is you know a BSer a little. So. You know, that that was strong, I guess is what I am saying from from Gannon and Company. You know, I understand where they're coming from here. I mean, this is interesting. We talked about it all year, right? I mean, again, we know there's some really good really good quarterbacks coming out in the draft, certainly. I think ever since that Rams playoff loss, the homework clause, the injury, of course, right? I think those things yeah, kind of had Kyler Murray's stock going downhill a little bit or downwards, but now it's back on the up and up. And I think a lot of that is just because of the new regime that's there. He's healthy. They're playing football the right way, right? And as we always talk about, it's not that easy just to go out and go, oh, hey, we're going to get, we're going to get another quarterback. That'll be really talented. Kyler Murray, yes, has size issues, but he's got a lot of other elite skills. He has an elite arm. He's an elite athlete. You know, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that, you know, you can say that about all the time. So those things, you put that together with a guy and Drew Petzing, who their offensive coordinator is out there in Arizona, I mean, they have a good offense, it's creative, they run the ball, his ability to run the ball makes their run game even better, right? As we know, the quarterback design runs are keeping the backside guy home because you got to worry about that, and that, of course, gives them advantages on the front side, blocking and all that. So... I understand that. It's not easy replace, uh, easy to replace a, a talent like this. And I think the other question, Mike, you got to ask off of that, right? Is okay, wait, we got a guy, right? There's there's we got to be happy with that. It's not easy re- easily replaced rookie quarterback. We know we're going to have to go with some growing pains. You stay with Kyler Murray. He's played, he's been in the playoffs. We know he's shown to be capable of being one of the top ten, top eight quarterbacks in football. He's done that. Now you don't have to waste a pick on the quarterback, and you could start to build your team with what Arizona has coming up in this year's draft. Mike, they, they keep the quarterback and Kyler Murray. They're set up like next year to be a pain in the butt right off the bat in the NFC with young talent and the money they have to spend. I think that's where you'd be excited if they keep Kyler Murray if you're a Cardinals fan.
1: And they definitely did a lot last year that suggested this year they're not prioritizing winning. Well, it's last year. Yeah, I meant putting it into this year. Last this year, this season. Yeah, yeah, we got this you. This season. Right. But like, you know who we mean. Yeah. In 2023, the vibe was they're not prioritizing winning. And you know what? They didn't win. They were 4-12. and 12. The problem, and where I struggle with this, yeah. I keep going back to the notion that dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. So... I don't know what they're going to do because this organization has a recent history of dysfunction. Are they finding their way out of it? I don't know. And again, look, I got nothing against Jonathan Gannon. I'm just making conclusions based on the things he's said and done. He said last year he'll be back with the Eagles. He was secretly tampered with by the Cardinals. He withheld that information from the Eagles while he was preparing for the Super Bowl. It affected their ability to keep Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. He would have been their first pick. Imagine how much better the Eagles would be right now on defense if they'd kept Vic Fangio. So there is reason to believe or at least suspect that what this guy's saying is not the truth. That's how we determine credibility. If you've told me the truth in the past, I'm more likely to believe you're telling me the truth now. If there are documented instances of you not telling the truth, I'm at least going to say, hmm, is there a chance he's not telling the truth? But I'm with you on this. And this is going to be a common theme for the quarterbacks we talk about in this block. Yeah, right. And I think, and I don't know if you heard me say this in the viewing room, and I don't know if I did or I didn't, but I've been saying this a lot. One of the things that gets overlooked when teams go out and draft a quarterback high, the other circumstances that add to the pressure, above and beyond being the first overall pick in the draft, which carries a lot of pressure in and of itself. But let's say that the Cardinals would move on from Kyler Murray and use the fourth overall pick in the draft on a quarterback. Right. That guy's going to be compared to Kyler Murray. Yes. That guy's going to be expected to be as good as Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's going to be playing for somebody else, and you're going to have apples to apples comparisons all year long, just like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, different but similar. All the pressure added to Bryce Young by the Panthers moving from number nine to number one. It's one thing to be the first overall pick, it's another thing where they gave up all this stuff, all these other draft picks that could have become great players. That was all sacrificed for you. You better be good. You better deliver. And in Arizona, it would be, you better be better than Kyler Murray. Not that anyone's saying that the circumstances say it. That's why I think when you have a guy that has checked the box, he's good enough to play quarterback in the NFL. You don't just willy nilly throw
4: him back and, and go fishing for somebody else. No, agreed. Agreed. Especially when he's got elite ability in some areas. I, I you know, and again, you have an offensive coordinator who's creative. They don't know how to play with him on the blank canvas here and, and, you know, make it creative and have creative ideas and things that stress out a defense. And we've seen that. Right. And again, I mean, you know, I don't know, aren't we learning a little bit? I know we all want a superstar quarterback. We're all looking for Mahomes. I understand that. And, and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, but you know, there's only a handful of those guys out there. And you know, at some point make a team, Make a team. Listen, there's been a lot of all-time great quarterbacks that weren't in the league right in your face. Oh, this is a superstar taking it over. They built the team around them. You know, they let them grow as a player. And then all of a sudden, six, the sixth, seventh year in the career, we're going, hey, look, we got a superstar here. We got a superstar. He was just like a guy that managed the game and whatever else. But, you know, I mean, you could get into Tom Brady with that conversation. We can get into Terry Bradshaw with that conversation. Build the team around them, and all of a sudden, one day, they'll start to look like a superstar if you coach them the right way, and the culture's the right way. And I think right now, we're a little bit of like, oh, we got to have the quarterback or forget it. It's like, we can't do anything. And no, we, we know there's more than one way to skin the cat here, and we'll see. But yeah, Arizona, right now, for what Jonathan Gannon is doing, I understand. You're right. He's handled some press conferences, some media moments not the right way, but... You know, for the most part, since the season started, since we got into real football, he's done the right thing. Their team has showed up week in and week out, right? They look like they have a plan going into last year, like you mentioned, you know, as far as this year, offseason draft picks. So they have had some dysfunctional years. There's no doubt about it. But as it looks right now, they got two guys running the organization that don't look very dysfunctional. They look like they know what the hell they're doing. And let's see if they can build this thing around Kyler Murray. And they got a few things to be excited about. But, man, we could be sitting here next year and going, hey, it's Kyler Murray. All right, they, we know they got a good running game. It's James Conner. Hey, it's Rondell Moore on the outside, right? They got a young kid out of Stanford, and Michael Wilson is good. Oh, hey, we got a high draft pick. Oh, we got another big-time receiver now. Oh, we got another high draft pick. Oh, hey, now we have a great pass rusher to go along with it. Oh, we have another one in the second and third round, too, to go along with that. And all of a sudden, we spend a little money in free agency, and we look at the Cardinals next year and go, holy crap, they got a ton of talent on their football team. So, I like that route when I say that out loud or think about this when I see the rundown of the show last night. And if I was them, I would continue on that course.
1: And they got an uphill climb in the NFC West. Yeah, they, they the Rams do. The 49ers and the Seahawks to contend with as well. Something you said I think makes a ton of sense. You know, it helps to have a great quarterback. It can't just be a great quarterback, as we've seen with some of the teams this year. Like the Chiefs and the Bills. The Bills at times. Exactly. Kind of coming still got of- to have Chiefs a team. Still dealing with it. Right. You got to have a team. And I think having that team and the team having success, it elevates the quarterback just by being the person who's in charge of this successful team. Exactly. You grow as the team thrives. You become a guy who has the confidence to make the big throw in the big spot because you've got the team around you. You've got the confidence to maybe take a chance because you know you've got the defense to bail you out if you make a mistake. And you take that chance and, oh, it works out. And you've got a great play that you made that maybe you wouldn't have even dared to try if you didn't have a great team around you. And now you've unlocked a level of ability and confidence that's going to propel you even higher. I mean, at the end of the day, we're talking about, back in the 70s, 14 opportunities a year to build confidence. Then it went to 16. Now it's at 17. That's really not, in the grand scheme of things, that many chances for someone to grow into the very best version of what they can be as a quarterback. And there is something to be said for having the team and a quarterback who is good enough to work you through the choppy waters until things settle down. Yeah. And then once it kind of morphs into a battleship, this guy's ready to take charge of it. Yeah.
4: That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And again, you know, you've heard me say these phrases and I'm funny and whatever else. But, you know, again, Phil Simms was awesome. He won two Super Bowls. I get it. But he had the Giants and the team around him, right? Dan Marino was even awesomer. He didn't have a team around him. Couldn't get to the Super Bowl. Got there once. Got killed by a, a team. The 49ers. Third round pick, Joe Montana. Take him slowly. Oh, all of a sudden he's a Superstar. We've kind of lost our way with that. We kind of just want to, if he's not a top five pick, we got to look for somebody new. It's like kind of the way it is right now. And this year, look at this year, Mike team. Here we go. Team Browns Browns team. Yes. Look at where they are. I'll even throw the dolphins team. It ain't about the quarterback. They went all in to make everybody around the quarterback better so they could justify making him look like a top-six pick so they could say whatever they want. It's team. It ain't quarterback there, okay? The Colts, they're in the playoffs right now. Team. Team. Oh, hey, Jared Goff, he sucks. He's the worst. Get him out of the ramps. Oh, wait, he goes to a team in Detroit. They know how to manage him a little. Oh, wait, hey, they could win the Super Bowl this year. All right. Oh, Baker Mayfield, he sucks too. You know that? Get him out of the league. He doesn't even deserve to. Oh, wait, he's got a team around him. Been coached right. Oh, hey, they're in the playoffs right now. Whoa. Oh, Jalen Hurts, what they did with him. Team, bring him along. Now he's a superstar. Okay, Jordan Love. Team, here he is, maybe in the playoffs. Oh, Geno Smith. Oh, okay, another one. So that's where hopefully the tide's turning here a little bit in the NFL that people are starting to realize, hey, we got to start building the rest of this around these guys and stop putting it all in on just the one guy to make it happen. And I think maybe we're going to see that with Arizona. And I I would expect that because Monty Austin Ford, Jonathan Gannon, they came from organizations where it was team. Monty was in Tennessee. Vrabel believes in that. And he was in New England with me before that, where of course it was team. And I like the 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 road they're on. Sorry to talk so much there. Got me going. On
1: that same note. Yeah. On that same note. No, it was fine. It was fine. I have no complaint about what you said, but as I've said to you in the past, if you ever feel compelled to apologize, for talking too long, you probably were talking. I know, I know. Anyway, on that same <laughs> note, on that same note, the Bears. Yes. How about the Bears? Right, They have a guy, and the way I've compared this, they've got the lottery ticket in Justin Fields, and they're still scratching off the metallic silver paint. That's There's right. still a square left. Right. They don't know whether or not it's a winner. Are they going to throw it back and get a new lottery ticket? That's to be determined. But here's Matt Eberflus, coach of the Bears, talking about whether Justin Fields has done enough to prove that he's a franchise quarterback in the NFL.
3: We're just going to look at uh, his performances right now, um, and we'll talk about all those big-picture questions after the season um, you know, with Ryan and myself, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But we love w- where his progress is. Um, he's been more consistent. Uh, we like what he's done the last six games uh, you know, in terms of the turnovers, the sacks, uh, touchdowns, taking care of the football, uh, throwing the ball down the field. So those are all positive things. And, again, we'll assess that as we get going here in the near future.
1: That's a far cry different from no doubt. Different answer there, right? That's a part, different answer. That's a different answer. Yeah. Well, and first of all, first of all Matt Eberflus isn't 100% sure he's going to be back next year. There was a report over the weekend that it's trending that way or something. So it does seem a little presumptuous for Matt Eberflus to be talking about personnel moves for 2024 until he gets engraved invitation to return next year. But look, Fields knows. Where he's at. He hasn't gotten his second contract yet. He's in a different posture than Kyler Murray. The Cardinals have already decided Murray's their guy. It's a bigger deal if the Cardinals turn their back on Murray than if the Bears turn their back on Fields because drafted by a different regime, has been great at times, has been injured, has been a work in progress, and it would be more reasonable. I'm not saying they should do it, but it would be more reasonable for the Bears to move on from fields than the Cardinals to move on from Murray. The Cardinals have made the massive financial commitment to Murray. The Bears are at the precipice of doing that. They, I guess they could enter contract year, Daniel Jones exactly. style. I Don't pick that. up the fifth year option. Right. Go prove yourself, and then worst-case scenario, we'll franchise tag you. But, you know... The same things you were talking about earlier apply here. Exactly. Build the team around. I mean, they have an opportunity to dangle that number one overall pick that they already got from trading down last year with the Panthers to get a haul of picks, more lottery tickets. Build the team around Justin Fields,
4: and Justin Fields is going to get better. Right. As the players around him improve. Justin Fields is getting better right in front of our eyes. He's getting right. I mean, it's happening. I mean. Where I used to watch him and go, he misses two out of every three throws. I don't know if this is sustainable. Now I go, damn, he misses one out of every six or seven throws. And it's not when he misses them, it's not egregious, right? It's like, oh, I understand why he put the ball there. He's grown as a passer, he's grown as a player in the pocket. He definitely has. The way he sees the field. The way earlier I was talking about earlier this season, Mike, when he was missing people wide open, and then the way they were calling the offense itself—those were all things that I was like, "Oh, they don't trust him yet." That it's not the same offense now. They do everything. They got it rolling, right? And I've been wishy-washy on Justin Fields. I've gone back and forth, but I—I—and I was even back and forth when they barely won that close one on the against the Vikings on on Monday Night Football right? Because he missed some plays that night. But man, ever since then, and he had a few games before that, it's been phenomenal. They've been arguably the one of the best teams in football. They kicked the crap out of the Cardinals who kicked the crap out of the Eagles. I mean, they're beating everybody. Like So they got it going. I wouldn't mess and touch a thing in Chicago right now. They are five out of the last seven. It could easily be six out of the last seven. It could really be seven out of the last seven. Lost a squeaker to the Browns too. Could beat the Packers this week. Certainly have the talent to do it. But like you said, you know they got a quarterback that's going like this. He's a special runner. He's become a better thrower. Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator. I love the offense. They've got a every good offensive line. They got it all, Mike. They really do. And then you talk about, like you're ta- saying, the draft picks and how they want to play with that. They got a chance to be a major player again, another team in the NFC next year, uh, depending on how they they you know approach this offseason.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?
2: Of discovering a new star. It
4: doesn't take long for Darwin Menes to make an impression.
2: The hope of rewriting history. Check out! He's, he's calling. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA, and Peacock. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ha. Ah. Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies.
1: I'm always a firm believer in trading down and getting more lottery tickets. Unless you are 100% certain that that guy you're going to take is going to be a cornerstone, foundational, Hall of Fame-type player, get more picks because the more picks you get, the greater chance you're going to get winners, the greater chance you're going to have more good players, and all of your players are going to elevate as your team gets better and better. So we're on the same page with both. Yeah. I was going to say,
4: Mike, it's incredible – you know, and, and again, uh, we don't know, but it seems like we're looking at the top two teams in the draft not needing a quarterback in a year where there's some big time quarterbacks coming out in the draft. To your point about getting a haul for having the number one pick. The Bears getting that Carolina pick, this could be a year where, you know, somebody gives up gives up a ton to go up and get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May. And all of a sudden, you're sitting here going, wait, we got three first-round picks this year. We got another first-round pick next year to go on top of it, right? So these teams both have a chance here to really make some magic because of the way the draft board is shaking out and the fact that their quarterbacks are, I think, solidified to be the guys for at least the, the near future for these football teams.
1: That first overall pick is sufficiently valuable this year that the guy who gave it up would be sufficiently upset to throw his drink on someone. The way he did, we'll talk about that later You're in funny. the show. All right, one more, one more quarterback to discuss. And this wasn't the team talking about him. This is the quarterback talking about a circumstance and yeah. specifically a report that he refused to be the backup week 17 at Seattle. Here's Kenny Pickett refuting the notion that he refused to to be number two to Mason Rudolph.
5: I saw reports out there that I felt like were attacking, you know, my character and how I am as a person, not even getting into a player standpoint of it. Um, There was no talk of me being a backup quarterback this week in terms of being a two. Um, If I was healthy enough to play and the trainers and coaches felt like I looked good enough to play, I was going to start and play. Um, If they believed that I was not, which they believed I was not, I was not going to dress and suit up for the game. Um, So whoever reported that, I don't know where it started. Um, it's kind of crazy what people were write and put out there um, to try to, you know, prove their point or help their standpoint or their careers and, and what you guys do. Um, but, you know, disappointed to see that um, without any proof or basis of it. So this week, I'm now the two. They feel good four weeks out of the surgery uh, for me to dress and be the two. So I will be the two and do what I have to do to be ready to go for Baltimore. So if there's any other questions about that, um, I feel like I answered it pretty good there. Is there anything else? Are there any Baltimore questions that we get on the Baltimore?
1: Wow. well done, well oh, done. he pick Pickett. Now, now, look. Here, here, here's where I think a lot of this came from. Yeah, he's got the ankle injury, He had surgery, he's missed a few games. Yeah, he traveled to Seattle with the team, which created the impression a last he week. would be right. the backup. Yeah. Practice some, Yeah. right? If you're going to leave him home, because y- y- you know that whole emergency third quarterback thing if you get down to your third guy, you're already screwed. And if he's not healthy enough to play, you don't take him to Seattle. If he's healthy enough to play, you take him to Seattle. Okay. He was healthy enough to go to Seattle. We would have left him at home if we thought he couldn't play. Why isn't he the backup to Mason Rudolph? So I can understand where the questions come from, but You know, rumors, reports, whatever, he was willing to stand there and say it wasn't true. But, you know, the bottom line here is he's kind of been low-key benched by the Steelers for Mason Rudolph. Right. We saw what Mike Tomlin said earlier in the week. They're playing the hot hand here. That's not a good sign for the guy that was a first-round pick who was supposed to become the next franchise quarterback in Pittsburgh. So far, he isn't, and everything's pointing to them looking elsewhere and considering their options after the season to potentially replace Kenny Pickett.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that's going to be a big-time conversation there in Pittsburgh this year. It certainly would not be shocked for them to go out and get a free agent quarterback or, you know, even in the draft drafting a quarterback, but I think free agency is where I would look at it, right? We threw around the idea of Russell Wilson in Pittsburgh next year, uh, and there's some other names to go around too. They can't be happy with the way Kenny Pickett has played through his first two years. Not that they're disappointed, right, I don't think you look at it and go, oh, it's horrible, but I don't think you're certainly sitting there going, oh, it, it's great, right? It's one of those where you go, no, it's the 20th pick of the draft. We, we expected a little bit more out of this guy. Now, as far as this report and everything that happened here and him not wanting to be the number two, I have no inside info there. I do know enough people that, that know Kenny Pickett. And, and him being a Jersey guy, to know that's not really in his character. He's been a team guy his whole life. There's nothing that's ever shown that he's been a, like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that, me, me, me guy. So I, I had a hard time believing that right off the bat when I saw that, and good for him to come out and make that kind of move. Uh, but, yeah, they're riding the hot hand. They should ride the hot hand. I mean, Mason Rudolph, he's gotten fortunate. He's played the two worst defenses in football, really, in Seattle and Cincinnati, sure, But there's things he brings to the table. He's big. He stands in the pocket longer than Trubisky and Pickett, and he's willing to be a little more patient for things to develop downfield. That, to me, when I watch Rudolph the last two weeks, would be the thing that jumps out where, you know, maybe Pickett or Trubisky, they look deep, but they go, oh, well, it's not going to be open. Let me just check it down. Rudolph will pat the ball an extra time and go, let me just make sure right? And he's thrown the ball down the field a few of those times when he patted an extra time or two. The other thing, because he's patient and letting it develop down the field when he does check it down, the defense is way back. And now there's more room underneath for the guy to run and the checkdowns become more successful too. But you see here, with the highlights, he certainly hasn't been shy about trying to push the ball down the football field. And you know, On the surface,
1: people will say, hey, the Steelers a long time ago gave Terry Bradshaw plenty of opportunities to grow into the guy. Two years isn't fair to Kenny Pickett. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You put the team around the guy, and the guy eventually grows into it. And it doesn't mean they're going to get rid of him. It doesn't mean he's going to be off the team. He's got a four-year fully guaranteed contract. It is not an expensive contract as quarterback contracts go. They could keep him. And they could bring in somebody else. We could have a Terry Bradshaw, Terry Hanratty, Joe Gillum situation (laughs) for a year or two in Pittsburgh. While Kenny Pickett maybe eventually proves himself. I'm looking at the starts for Terry Bradshaw and other quarterbacks from 70 through 74. Fifth year, 74 is when they won their first Super Bowl. Bradshaw started eight games as a rookie. Terry Hanratty started six. Bradshaw had 13 in 71. Hanratty started one. In 72, Bradshaw started all of them. That was the immaculate reception year. 73, Bradshaw nine. Hanratty four. Joe Gillum one. 74, Bradshaw seven. Joe Gillum six. Terry Hanratty one. And I don't remember how it all went, the ebbs and flows that resulted in Bradshaw being the guy when the playoffs rolled around. But win, win, Super Bowl And Bradshaw is cemented five years in. So they might not just say Kenny Pickett's out the door. They can afford to say Kenny Pickett's just on the bench or Kenny Pickett's competing. And if he's good enough, he'll play. If he's not, he won't. And that's just the way it goes at every position on a team. We're not going to deify the quarterback. Quarterback. Running back, receiver, whatever you earn your reps, and if you're not earning your reps,
4: somebody else will. Yeah, no, that that's right, that's right, and it's not. You know, to be fair to Kenny Pickett, like we talked about with the other guys, right? It's been a tough situation. Their offense has not been good. I don't, I don't care who's that quarterback or whatever. There wasn't, there's not there that much there to be had. They couldn't run the ball really for the majority of Kenny Pickett starts. We know that you know the offense had issues being creative getting people open in the pass game you know it's been through you know everything uh, as far as their offense now they've come together here a little as of late after fire in the OC it's still not groundbreaking and i think again the defenses they played have helped this offense look a little better than it actually is but at the at the end of the day uh, yeah i think pittsburgh's going to be definitely heavily evaluating their options they're going to try to improve their football team I think hey, there's things you like about Kenny Pickett, but like we have discussed a few times over the last few weeks, I think he's one of those guys that they look at and go, "Hey, we like him. He's good." But right, like, is there anything special he does? And to me, that's always something that irks a coaching staff or an organization, right? Hey, we just we'd like one thing to be able to hang on to be he's special at that right? And that I think we're still searching for with Kenny Pickett. And maybe the, the, the thing he needs is really a great offensive coordinator to show he can really execute a high level offense. I don't know. But he certainly hasn't showed us that elite a level of ability uh, yet in his young career. Yeah, you know, I had a flash in
1: my brain as you were saying that of a meeting room with the coaching staff in there. Who's his advocate? Who's the one who's going to press the button and show the play? Look at this. See this. This is why I'm standing on the table for this guy. Where is the Kenny Pickett highlight reel yeah, th- that you right. look at it and say, That's right. Ooh, wow, damn, oh, man, yes, he's the guy. We got to ride him. And I'm sorry if that sounds critical, but we're just basing it on what we've seen. Where is the Kenny Pickett highlight reel that would get a member of that coaching staff to say, He's the guy? unquestionably that we need to be building this offense around and if that was the case it wouldn't be mason rudolph going into a must-win game saturday at baltimore all right well somehow we managed to talk about everything we were supposed to talk about even though we spent 15 minutes on an unscheduled topic so far so good let's see if we keep it on track when we return Will Sunday be Bill Belichick's final game with the New England Patriots? We'll take up that question next year on PFT Live.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.